Sports Lounge Live, a weekly talk show covering baseball. I don't believe what I just saw. Basketball. Believe it, Cleveland. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Football. Got it at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown. Hockey. He's at the four. NASCAR. Green flag waves again at the World Center of Racing. Plus the latest sports news, both pro and college. Hear past talk shows on your phone by calling 773-572-3006. Or as a podcast on your iPhone, Victor Stream or computer, or on your smart speaker. Visit legendoldies.com for links to automatically connect via your computer or iPhone. Call the sports aficionados at area code 646-876-9923. And enter the PIN 287-723-4600, followed by the pound key twice. And now, your hosts, Chris Devon, Perry Lester, Sean Platts, Robert Herrick, and Bill Sparks. Good afternoon. Welcome into Sports Lounge Live. This is Tuesday, August the 9th, and uh, it is show number two. Oh, is it six, Chris, or five? Six. Well, six. six. Two, oh, so I was right the first time. Yeah. Oh, six. And we have a lot going on today, a ma- major death that we're going to talk a lot about yeah. and a lot of other things, too. But I'll bet that's the huge story of the day, Chris. So what is the it agenda? Is. Okay, so the agenda is and we're going to be able to take a little more time this time and, and throw in some other sports in our panels. Uh, we've got some stuff of local interest that happened here, but it, it uh, you know would be reported in the regular sports news of the day anyway. Uh, Robert's going to do some NASCAR, and uh, Sean's going to do some golf. Then we're going to do uh, Vin Scully. He's the guy, uh, as big a titan as Bill Russell was last week, we have just as big a titan. I'd say the, the one of the longest, the, the long longevity, and the biggest name right now out there would be uh, Bill, uh, Willie Mays, probably, you know, that's left uh, to us of that age group. Uh, Bob Cousy will be big, too. But, you know, so Vince Scully, we're going to do a lot. We've got a, uh, a good play-by-play sample for you from vintage Vince Scully from 1965 that we're going to be playing for you. And a lot of uh, tributes from a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of information that I've got here. And then we, of course, when we would discuss him, as we did with Bill Russell. <laughs> then uh, we'd go to baseball, which is, of course, was, uh, his major sport. Then we'll go to the NFL, to uh, college. There's a few college items that have come up this week. And then uh, there's a, well, a couple of basketball notes and uh, about three. And then there's uh, some NHL. I'm going to do some NHL on my panel. But um, anyway, we'll uh, get started with the panel. First of all, uh, we have, and I don't know if Rick is here right now or not. He may be yes. in or out. But yes, he okay. is. Yeah, all right. So the, uh, his uh, AC died, his uh, central air. And we had a record for today is the 26th consecutive day that we in Boston have gone over 80 for a high. Now, I know for those of you in Florida, it's like, oh, we do that in December, you know. But, uh, no, that's something for us. And we've never done that before. So uh, that is something that is really amazing. Um, the Red Sox are on, well, I don't know if they would go as far as life support. They and the Giants are basically in trouble because they haven't been able to beat the teams they really have to beat. But they went out and they, you know, when we got off the trade deadline, they won two out of three with Houston in Houston. Okay, that's good. But then they lost three out of four to Kansas City. And we've got a ridiculous situation in center field with Jaron Duran playing. See, what happens with Heim Bloom and the way this is done is if he anoints you as the big prospect, you have to come up and you have to stay no matter what happens. So Jaron Duran, you know, 
was maybe like down for a couple of days, but then he came back. And he can't really play center field. He doesn't know how. And he hasn't got a good arm, and he doesn't hit that well. So it's not like we couldn't have. They cut Jackie Bradley Jr. They could have kept him and, and just, you know, uh, brought Bradley in for defensive uh, purposes or really played him in the outfield and let Duran just do whatever. Uh, I don't know. It's ridiculous. He was ridiculous on Sunday. He, he They had gotten back into the game, and then he, he blew, cost them the whole big uh, inning of, of action, and it was ridiculous. We also had a retirement here of uh, uh, Dennis Eckersley. He'd been with Nesson since 2003, of course, you know, a longtime pitcher and Hall of Fame pitcher, but he'd been with uh, uh, Nesson for that long, and he actually, uh, you know, worked his way up. He didn't do that many games because, of course, Jerry Remy was the primary guy, but he got to do more and more. did an excellent job, and, of course, got on some national games, too. Uh, the first game I think he ever did, as far as I know, was in 1999, a couple of games. Jerry Truppiano had a throat problem for about a week and a half, and Joe Castiglione had just Sean McDonough in to help him out a little bit and different people. But one of the people he had was uh, Dennis Eckersley, and he did a good job with that. I remember that in 99. So, you know, his last game will be October 5th. Uh, which is the last game of the season. And uh, and his grandchildren are turning four in October. They live in the Bay Area, and he wants to spend more time with them. They're twins. So, um, you know, that is what he's going to do. He'll be back in, in Boston. But he was commuting from Hingham, which is a trek, you know, from down here, further down than where Rick and I live. And uh, to have to do that during the rush hour uh, before the games, you know, is not easy. Uh, Berger, uh, uh, I'm forgetting on him. Uh, Patrice Bergeron signed a one-year for $2.5 million. Remember, there was talk about whether he'd come back with the Bruins, and he wow. could uh, earn up to $2.5 more million in incentives, so a total of five, perhaps. And then David Krejci is coming back from the Czech League uh, for a million and, uh, and two more million in incentives and, the, and bonuses. And uh, Bergeron's 37 and Krejci's 36. So they're you know, going to get the band together, as they say these days, and try it again. And with a new coach, maybe different atmosphere. I mean, I don't know. And, and the Patriots, we'll talk, obviously be talking about them some more when uh, you know, we get into training, uh, you know, have an actual look at this when they play the Giants on Thursday. But everybody says their offense is totally disorganized and terrible. They've tried to go to a new offensive scheme. It is not working, and uh, I don't know what they're going to do. And uh, pa- Pablo Zaka uh, signed a, a one-year uh, one for $3.5 million also for the Bru- Bruins and avoided arbitration. So that's the other teams. The Celtics and Bruins are looking up, and we'll talk more about the Celtics later. And uh, the Red Sox are on life support, and the Patriots may be a non-starter this year. I don't even know. But before Rick has to go deal with his central air, uh, here he is. Yeah, hi, Tom. Like Chris was talking about the, the heat spell, we would hit we've had here. We actually had individual day records set four out of the last six days for the hottest ever recorded in Boston. So that's it hasn't been fun. My air conditioning went out Saturday, and I got my service company to come out Sunday afternoon, and they decided a motor had burnt out, so they had to get the motor. They came back Monday to put the motor in, and they left and said everything was fine, and six hours later, we were still no cooler in the house. Uh-huh. So I had to call them back. They said to be out between 8 and 12 this morning. Well, they showed up at about 3.30, um, but I just... Got word ten minutes ago that they say it's fixed, and I think it is. Okay, <laughs> so it's, going, uh-huh. it's, going to, it's going to take a long time for this house to cool off. Though. So, so it starts sounding cooler through the show and like really <laughs> yeah. more windy yeah. and stuff. That was the line. Chris mentioned Dennis Eckersley retiring. That's 
you know, after Jerry Remy, this you know, this this kind of hurts. You know, they, the, two of the best baseball color men I've ever heard, and we're losing both of them in two years here. Who do you? Who would you say if you were going to pick? And you've heard all the people come through the booth this year. Who would you pick uh, to replace? Uh, you know, be the primary guy next year. I'm not crazy about any. I, I hate to say it, but I think I'd have to go with Tony Maserati. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chris would go with Tom Gordon with his right, great Chris? broadcasting voice. Yes. I don't like. Uh, don't like Eucalyptus. Um, Wakefield's okay, but he's just boring. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Other than that, um, now uh, you know we mentioned last week when we were talking about Bill Russell that today actually is Bob Cousy's birthday, so I just yeah. uh, shout out to him ninety four. And, and uh, the, the late Ned Martin's birthday today as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I actually watched. For some hmm. reason, Nesson last night played the uh, game from September thirtieth, nineteen sixty seven. Oh, so I watched, cool! I watched it last night. It was pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, so they were behind when Jim Cott got hurt, didn't they? weren't they? One to remember I was yeah. talking about that? One to yeah. nothing. What inning did he get hurt in? About the fourth? Uh, or third inning. Third inning. It's yeah. like two and a third. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Big, big turnaround there. Yeah. Um, other than that, the, the football countdown is down to 30 days. And <laughs> we're starting <laughs> Thursday with um, NFL Network's going to, well, you can see every game on there eventually, but they're going to have 22 of the games live, starting with the Thursday's game with the Patriots and the New York Football Giants. So yep. I'm excited to start watching that. And that's all I got, Perry. <laughs> We are preparing for the Field of Dreams activities this week, and it's a whole process because tonight, if you have the MLB Network, you can watch the game between um, the throwback game would be the Cedar Rapids Bunnies and the Davenport Blue Sox. But in today's world, it is the Cedar Rapids Colonels, which is high A for the Minnesota Twins, and the Quad City River Bandits, which is the high A for the Kansas City Royals, and they're going to play a game tonight in the Field of Dreams. Um, I'm hoping I can, I can't get it on MILB because it's on the MLB Network, so I'm hoping I can find audio um, somewhere online because neither one of these teams have radio stations, but they do have Ooh. announcers, and uh, hopefully... <laughs> okay. Hopefully I can find, if I can find it, I hope I can find the Cedar Rapids audio. I think that announcer is a little better than the Quad Cities one. Um, <clears throat> but hopefully I can find that tonight and and listen to that. And then, of course, uh, on Thursday, we have the uh, Cubs and the Reds playing on Thursday. And uh, as we know, that is going to be quite a game. Neither team is going anywhere. But um, well, we'll put into national focus the battle for third place. <laughs> yeah. that, that it will. And that one is going to be on Fox. Right. So if you have Fox, you can, which you should, you can clearly watch that one. Yeah. Uh, MLB Network, some have it, some don't. So if you don't, you're probably out on this one. But it's always a cool thing to see this, these kind of activities because, um, as we all know, the Field of Dreams movie was, was uh, filmed in Dyersville, Iowa, and uh, they are really doing all they can to keep the house in good shape, the cornfield. Uh, apparently, according to what they said earlier, there's a lot of corn in the field, so you the, you'll have plenty of that. And uh, so the state of Iowa is really excited for that. The iCubs are at home again this week, uh, seeing if they have any people that are ready to go up to the big leagues. The Cubs, of course, are in flux. We'll get to that later. And with that, Bill, I think the Reds are probably also in flux. Well, we we know the way that we're going. It's down, down, down. 
So there's not too much to worry about there. We're getting prepared to to transport back on Saturday. So I'll just plug into a new office on Sunday morning, different studio, but everything's all set up there. So I left it as it was, so it should be ready to go. And there should be no problem that way. So we're traveling back. Will the game be on radio? Do you know at all? The Field of Dreams game? Uh, yes. Yes. It, the, will have it, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, any radio can have it. So the Cubs and the Reds yeah. will both be there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know yeah. if Tommy and Jeff are going to travel there, but I know Pat Pat and Zach, been, I know, are, and maybe Ron. They've been traveling pretty much all year. So I yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't think the traveling would stop them. I just don't know if they would carry the game. They because it'd probably oh, yeah, they, be the game. It's a regular season game. It's a regular yeah. season game. It's a regular yeah. season game. Oh, is they, it? They'll carry it. Yeah. But oh, yeah. it would be, it's uh, Thursday night, Bill, so probably at the end of all things radio, if you turn on the Reds, you, sh- you should have them. 8 o'clock mm-hmm. Eastern is when it starts, yeah, because remember last year's game did really well in the ratings. And, is yeah, it 8 Eastern? X- XM listed at uh, 7.15 Eastern. See, I thought it was an okay, exhibition but... game, so what okay. I know? No, it, no, no it's, it's a regular, regular season th- game. It's a no. Cubs home game. No, 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 it's a Reds home. No, it's a Reds home. Okay, because then, then, because then you'll notice on your schedule that Friday, the Cubs and the Reds are off. That's because they're traveling to Cincinnati. Oh, okay, okay. Well, and of course, we we can speed that if we needed to drop all things radio a little early. We can do that too. (laughs) Oh, we're starting with the early now. We're we're done in good shape. We're we're done in good shape, but you know how things happen. It's kind of like Kevin Durant telling the general manager, he's manager, he's going to have to choose him or the, his, their coaching staff for the their current general mm-hmm. manager. And I know, and we've had this situation come up at the Legend before. If it gets down to that, you know what you're going to choose. You're not going to you're you're just not going to let them dictate what is going to happen in that particular because nobody well, wins. It works a little differently in some of the in the NBA in particular. That, that yeah. was the, the but the owner didn't come out and say he was all behind the coach and the yeah that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. So well, maybe they got a trade in the works and he could be coming here. We'll see. Well, it looks um, like you you might have a good shot, Chris. You might have a good chance, but other than that, it's been pretty quiet here of you know we we just get to watch the Colts we're going to watch the Colts and Buffalo on Saturday and we don't expect much from that most most teams will only play their players maybe three series if that yeah. um, that reminds me they were talking about this on indie sports today when I was preparing and they were talking about remember the time the Colts were undefeated and they had won the division or whatever and both Pullion removed Peyton Manning and all the starters yep. and brought everybody yep. in the second half and how they lost a couple games toward the end of the season then they didn't kick it back in on the in the yep. playoffs and yeah. boy the fans are still 
We're that still mad about that. Should that be allowed? Is that called tanking? What is tanking and what is not tanking? So, Well, that's why they've got it set up now that they put the division games at the end because they figure divisional record is important to tiebreakers and things like that. So that's one of the reasons they changed that. So they I think that was the reason they changed it. The yeah. Big, yeah. That was like the final straw, I think. Yeah. But they changed it to that. Yeah, and and by, and by, the way, by the way, Bill, one thing we want to tell people, there is... Uh, Big streaming news about the NFL that we found out that we will get to yeah. later, too. So if you're an NFL fan, you better stay tuned because there's pretty big news. Yeah, well, speaking of big news and stars, stars in the waiting, Robert, take it away, please. Okay, um, well, let's get this out of the way. Kevin Harvick won the NASCAR race in Michigan. That's his sixth win at that track. And that was the first time he won a race in almost two years. He broke a 65-race losing streak. And he came out in an interview yesterday and said, well, that's not my longest. I had won the last 115 races before I actually won a race. So yeah, He's now apparently 16, 17th out of the 16. Uh, they, what have they got, two more races before the playoffs? Uh, three more races. Three more races? The, yeah. And he's just outside them now, so he put himself yeah. in contention by winning that right. race. And I, What do we got now, 15 different winners or something, uh, Robert? Uh, yeah, 15 different races, uh, 15 different winners so far in the races that have been had so far. So. Yep. Um, and this week, I believe they'll be at Richmond, if I remember correctly. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, in other news, uh, next week I'll, uh, I'll be telling everybody how they can listen to the upcoming heavyweight fight that's uh, occurring in boxing. Uh, we, uh, those of us that actually have devices may actually have to listen to it on the radio instead of watching it on United States TV, but we'll cover that more next week when I want to have more details. Um, other than that, the weather's kind of normal around here, so thank God things have calmed down. Uh, how many days over 80 have you had? We got the 26th. That's probably, we're probably pikers of that stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. California does that on a regular basis yeah, throughout the summer. Except so. the Bay Area. I guess it's yeah. nicer there. But uh, Yeah, the Bay Area don't get hot until, like, September or October. It's kind of weird. weird. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sean, let's go to Texas and see what you got. Well, it's been over 80 every day since March here. So. <laughs> anyway, if you want to contact us anytime throughout the week, and remember, those of you listening on the podcast, we are live here at legendoldies.com at 4 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday afternoon. But contact us throughout the week, 773-572-7715 or 800-693-0595, option 2. Or sports lounge at all things net is another place you can contact us. Uh, so that's those are a few things. Now let me see. Let's get a couple other things. First of all, Serena Williams is going to retire after the U.S. Open, so yeah, let's say she's going she's to hang it up. Uh, Diana Taurasi's out for the rest of the season with an injury. Uh, I forgot she was even still playing, but I guess I don't yeah, pay much. We had her yet. last week because she scored over forty points or whatever, and or thirty yep. points in that game, and over forty. The yep. uh, along well, with uh, Michael and uh, I forget who the other one uh, was. Oh, and LeBron, I think uh, to do. Yeah. yeah, well, before last week, I forgot she was playing. I should say before, you know, because that shows how. Much, but Brittany Griner, of course, they sentenced her to nine years in prison, but now the negotiations have started possibly to bring her home and they'll see what's going on there. So we got that, but we got some live golf. There are three players. None of them have won tournaments this year, but they've been in the money winning and they have taken 
the PGA to court trying to get able to play in the FedEx Cup because before they signed with Live Golf, they were, you know, they had met their 15 tournaments to be in and they qualified and they're saying they should be allowed. But the PGA, of course, as soon as you play a tournament with them, you're suspended for the rest of this year. Now, Cameron Smith is speculating that he's going to go, but he could be waiting to see how this court case comes out or after the FedEx Cup. But they've been rumoring that since the day after the British Open that he was made an offer to go over there. So we'll see on that. And like I said, we men- I can't think of anything else. So I guess we ought to get on and let's remember probably one of the great ones, one of the greatest storytellers in sports. Yep. Okay, so Bill, do you have that uh, ready to go? Because I can explain what it is if you do. Yes, I do have it ready to go. All right. So what we're talking about, we're going to give you first, before we talk about all the statistics and all the history of Vin Scully, we're going to give you a sample, a good, nice Mm -hmm. sample of play-by-play. Now, when Hank Aaron died, we also, in that way, honored Vin Scully because we played the the nice uh, uh, home run call that he gave and the aftermath of it and his great call. This is another example of what he could do, how he could paint word pictures. Back when he was doing this stuff, the games were not on TV other than in San Francisco. When they'd go to San Francisco, the phone charges were prohibitive. So all the no home games were on the ra- on TV, and only the games in San Francisco were on TV. So Vin and Jerry Doggett did radio all the time. Vin did seven innings. Jerry did two, as I understand it. And so this is, uh, for, we're going to September 9th, 1965, Thursday night in, in Chicago, I mean in, in L.A., in the Dodger Stadium. You'll hear what the attendance is. You'll hear the time. You'll hear the whole thing. You'll hear an artist at work from September 9th, 1965, Vin Scully as Sandy Koufax goes for a perfect game. Three times in his sensational career has Sandy Koufax walked out to the mound to pitch a fateful ninth where he turned in a no-hitter. But tonight, September the 9th, 1965, he made the toughest walk of his career, I'm sure, because through eight innings, he has pitched a perfect game. He has struck out 11. He has retired 24 consecutive batters. And the first man he will look at is catcher Chris Cruz, big right-hand hitter. Fly to center, grounded to short. Dick Trasuski is now at second base, and Koufax ready and delivers. Curve ball for a strike. And one to count to Chris Cruz. Out on deck to pinch hit is one of the men we mentioned earlier as a possible Joey Amalfitano. Here's the strike one pitch to Cruz. Fastball swung on and missed. Strike two. And you can almost taste the pressure now. Koufax lifted his cap, ran his fingers through his black hair, then pulled the cap back down, fussing at the bill. Krug must feel it too as he backs out, heaves a sigh, took off his helmet, put it back on, and steps back up to the plate. Trasuski is over to his right to fill up the middle. Kennedy is deep to guard the line. The strike two pitch on the way. Fastball outside, ball one. Krug started to go after it and held up, and Torborg held the ball high in the air, trying to convince Vargo, but Eddie said, no, sir. One and two, the count to Chris Krug. It is 9.41 p.m. on September the 9th. The one-two pitch on the way, curveball, tap foul, off to the left of the plate. The Dodgers defensively 
In this spine-tingling moment, Sandy Koufax and Jeff Torboy. The boys who will try and stop anything hit their way. Wes Parker, Dick Trasuski, Maury Wills, and John Kennedy. The outfield of Lou Johnson, Willie Davis, and Ron Fairley. And there's uh, 29,000 people in the ballpark and a million butterflies. 29,139 paid. Go back into his windup and the one-two pitch. Fastball foul back out of play. In the Dodger dugout, Al Ferrara gets up and walks down near the runway. And it begins to get tough to be a teammate and sit in the dugout and have to watch. Sandy, back of the rubber, now toes it. All the boys in the bullpen straining to get a better look as they look through the wire fence in left field. One and two, the count to Chris Krug. Koufax, feet together, now to his wind-up in the one-two pitch. Fastball outside, ball two. A lot of people in the ballpark now are starting to see the pitches with their heart. The pitch was outside. Torborg tried to pull it over the plate, but Vargo, an experienced umpire, wouldn't go for it. Two and two, the count to Chris Cruz. Sandy reading signs into his wind-up. Two-two pitch. Fastball got him swinging. Colfax has struck out 12. He is two outs away from a perfect game. Here is Joe Amalfitano to pinch it for Don Kessinger. Amalfitano is from Southern California, from San Pedro. He was an original bonus boy with the Giants. Joey's been around, and as we mentioned earlier, he has helped to beat the Dodgers twice, and on deck is Harvey Keene. Kennedy is tight to the bag at third. The fastball, a strike. Oh, and one with one out in the ninth inning, one to nothing Dodgers. Sandy reading into his windup and the strike one pitch. Curveball, tap foul. Oh, and two. And Amalfitano walks away and shakes himself a little bit and swings the bat. And Koufax with a new ball takes a hitch at his belt and walks behind the mound. I would think that the mound at Dodger Stadium right now is the loneliest place in the world. Looks in to get his sign. 0-2 to Amalfitano. The strike two pitch to Joe. Fastball swung on and missed strike three. from the promised land and Harvey Keene is coming up so Harvey Keene is batting for Bob Henley the time on the scoreboard is 9.44 the date September the 9th 1965 and Koufax working on veteran Harvey Keene Sandy into his windup, and the pitch, a fastball for a strike. He has struck out, by the way, five consecutive batters. And that's gone unnoticed. 
Sandy Reddy in the strike one pitch. Very high, and he lost his hat. He really forced that one. That's only the second time tonight where I have had the feeling that Sandy threw instead of pitched, trying to get that little extra. And that time he tried so hard, his hat fell off. He took an extremely long stride to the plate, and Torborg had to go up to get it. One and one to Harvey Keen. Now he's ready. Fastball high. Ball two. You can't blame a man for pushing just a little bit now. Sandy backs off, mops his forehead, runs his left index finger along his forehead, dries it off on his left pants leg. All the while, Keen just waiting. Now Sandy looks in. Into his windup and the 2-1 pitch to Keen. Swung on and missed. Strike two. It is 9.46 p.m. Two and two to Harvey Keene. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung on and missed a perfect game. field. It is 9.46 p.m. in the city of the Angels, Los Angeles, California. And a crowd of 29,139. Just sitting in to see the only pitcher in baseball history to hurl four no-hit, no-run games. He has done it four straight years and now he capped it on his fourth no-hitter. He made it a perfect game. Sandy Kopax, whose name will always remind you of strikeouts, did it with a flourish. He struck out the last six consecutive batters. So when he wrote his name in capital letters in the record books, that K stands out even more than the O-U-F-A-X. Wow. <laughs> Nobody could do that better. Nobody, no. I mean, no. they could do it as well. We had a different style announcers and, you know, different people would do it differently, but nobody could have done it better. And, uh, of course, he wasn't working. Jerry Dodd, they did not talk to each other. They, they got along. They were friends. They were in the booth forever. It's not that they weren't friends. Yeah. They never talked to each other in the booth to do anything. You know, they, here's, okay, for the third inning, here's Vin, you know, and Jerry would go sit, sit down for three innings and let Vin go do his thing. And, and here's, here's Jerry back for the seventh, and that's what they did. And, uh, you know, so we'll talk more about Vin Scully, but that was 1965. So Vin Scully was 37 years old at that point. And so he'd been with the Dodgers for 16 years. That's a long time. Except he was with the Dodgers for 67 years. So that's amazing. As a matter of fact, one of the things uh, somebody uh, in the press box the other day in Kansas City said, I've got an idea about uh, how you and Joe could, uh, he was talking to uh, Denny Matthews and Joe Castiglione, how you and uh, Denny could catch him. You know, you just add up. You're 40 years Joe and you're uh, whatever Denny Matthews has. He started 69. You know, just add it up. That's one way you could beat him. But anyway, so he was born November 29, 1927, and he died. 
night on August 2nd, last Tuesday, right? You know, that evening after the show, August 2nd, 2022, 94 years old. He was born in the Bronx. He was a... Uh, he died of natural causes from all we can determine. Nobody has said anything different. And his father died at uh, the age of uh, seven, uh, four, I guess it was, due to pneumonia. And then they, they moved uh, to uh, Brooklyn. And he loved the sound of the crowd on the big radio. We were talking about that when I did my little bit on all things radio the other day. It was always fascinating to me how a crowd, you know, you, you go, you're with a group of people and big, even in a big party in a room, but it doesn't sound like a crowd. There's something different about the sound of the crowd. And he was uh, get oh. get under the speaker and listen to the big college football games or the baseball games or big uh, boxing matches. And then uh, he, he uh, became a New York Giants fan because he saw on a billboard on October 2nd of 1936 that the Giants had lost to the Yankees 18-4 to in the World Series, and he felt bad for the Giants. So he became a Giants fan, and so uh, and that was in 36. And so then he uh, and he went to Fordham University. Uh, his mother remarried, and, you know, so he, he was living at home until he went to Fordham University. He played center field on the, uh, on the baseball team, and he was in the Navy in 1945. I guess in one of the uh, tributes I heard, it sounded like he played uh, Yale at one point and played in the same game with George H.W. Uh, Bush playing first base for Yale. Uh, and then they went. Uh, then he went to school there, and they did um, uh, communications. They had just started a communication school at Fordham. Then he went to Washington uh, for a year or so uh, after graduation to do radio at WTOP, the CBS uh, affiliate. And then... Red Barber uh, asked him in on November of 49 to go to Fenway Park to cover a uh, Maryland-Boston University football game. And what happened was he uh, didn't. He thought he was going to be in the press box. He thought he'd have a booth like you'd expect. Well, he turned out he was up on the roof. And I have sat up on the roof on kind of a chilly night, and uh, you know, in the sky views with my father one time. And I know what that could be like. So he was like out in the elements. And he, this is different from what would happen nowadays. He never told anybody on the air that, oh, I was dumb. I ended up out here on the roof and I didn't bring my coat. Or nowadays that'd be like a story and you'd, you'd make a thing out of it. Everybody'd kind of goof around about it and, you know, talk about it. You know, we didn't have informal radio at that time. Some people were doing it like Arthur Godfrey or whoever, but you didn't see that that much. And but but later on, you know, Don Meredith. Can you imagine Don Meredith? But you know, oh, oh, I'm southern boy out there like me, and I'm freezing to death. You know, somebody like that. So things had changed. But Red Barber was working. Uh, was very impressed that he never said anything. He it, it came back. Well, as a matter of fact, they apologized to Red Barber. The somebody from they Central called him. Park, yeah, called him and said, "Hey, you know, sorry, we didn't guy, give your guy a booth and didn't realize he was out there without his coat." And he said, "Oh, I didn't even know that." So that impressed Red so much that he hired him. Uh, to do the third, um, be the third man in the Dodger booth at 22 years old. Uh, uh, Red was working with Connie Desmond, and uh, Red uh, and he, he got to do two innings a game. And uh, and he and what Red told him to do was always do the game down the middle, so people will believe you. If you say it's a great catch for one side, and there's an equally good play for the other side, you you should really say that, and people will believe your credibility, and it won't be a homer. And that's really the New York style, not the homerism you hear in the Midwest, and and that style was brought up here with Kurt Gowdy and so forth too when he came up. So so then uh, when Red uh, so in '53. Apparently, Red Barber had some friction with Walter O'Malley because in 1953, and they didn't really cover this, but I did read this another place, 
Vin Scully got to do the World Series, but he wasn't quite the voice of the Dodgers yet. Red did the uh, did the season as voice of the Dodgers to fulfill his contract. But when when you are in the World Series and your team, you know, you're the team and you're in there, they'll say, well, who do you want to go do it? Like in 67, the Red Sox said Ken Coleman. And a lot of people were disappointed. They didn't say Ned Martin or share it. Sometimes you share it, sometimes you. But they asked uh, Vin to do it in 53. So that was the handwriting on the wall for Ed Barber, who went to the Yankees in 54 uh, and worked with Mel Allen. So Vin became youngest, youngest player youngest. Uh, announcer to do the World Series game. Yes, that's right. And so uh, that that's right. And then uh, you know, so O'Malley on the team, and then in 55, of course, they won the World Series, and Vin just didn't say anything. They went, you know, Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn Dodgers are the world champions or something like that. That's all he said because he was so close to those players. They're all about the same age. You know, and he said that was like his graduating class. You know, he felt like he knew them so well, and uh, they were either a little older than him or about the same age. And so he uh, he basically just he said he didn't want to say anything because he thought his voice would crack. And then uh, then he did the Don Larson perfect game. Now I don't think I think uh, I've seen that game, and I'm pretty sure that he didn't say that it was a no hitter or a perfect game. I think the national people said, "Don't say anything." You know, there was the old baseball superstition and stuff, and I don't think he said it in that game. But he is—you uh, don't hear that call really very much because you hear the Bob Wolf radio call uh, mostly. But Vin Scully was the guy on the call for the second half of that game and, and did the end of the game, and of course working with uh, Mel Allen. Uh, so. You know that was uh, that was a totally different time too. So then, um, so then let's see. We go on. We we go to fifty seven. The Dodgers went to Dodgers and Giants said they'd be going to L A. and San Francisco respectively. And then uh, uh, you know uh, uh, ended up going there. And of course, uh, uh, the fans in uh, uh, the in the Coliseum listened on the radio. The Los Angeles Coliseum held about ninety thousand people, and you could hardly see the game. It was a very weirdly configured uh, field, that short uh, left field, I think it was, and a long right field. But the people could hardly hear it, so they, they would bring the radio. And, of course, they didn't know this guy. You know, he'd never been there. He was in New York doing the games. They didn't know him, but they loved him right away. He had all these stories that he told. He made them understand who the players were, not only the Dodgers that uh, they had, people like a Willie Mays or, you know, Ernie Banks that they'd heard of, but people that were, you know, second stringers on these other teams or utility infielders. And, and, and people could listen in traffic because the games were starting in L.A. time, you know, around 5 o'clock. Most games started at 8 o'clock in the East at that time. So basically they were in the rush hour trying to get home, and they'd be listening to the Dodgers. And, again, these games were not on TV. They would only televise from uh, San Francisco. So they just got uh, radio uh, over and over and uh, with Vinny, and just it became an event. And that was bigger than the game. The first year they finished seventh, but people still listened to the games. Um, and then he, as I said, worked with Jerry Doggett all those years. And then, uh, and then we already talked about the Koufax perfect game. We just heard that, uh, in a very detailed call. And then of course, another big call was the Hank Aaron home run. Of course, uh, Kurt Gowdy did it on TV. They did, did a special Monday night game, uh, on NBC and, uh, Milo Hamilton did it on Atlanta radio. It was supposed to be Ernie Johnson's inning, but he, you know, bullied him out of it or something. And then, uh, yep. for April 8th of 74, Vince Kelly was doing the game and uh, gave the great call. And his other great baseball call was October 15th, 1988, with um, the Dodgers and uh, playing the A's. And, of course, Kurt Gibson hitting the home run off Dennis Eckersley, who we just talked about retiring from the, the Red Sox broadcast booth. Uh, 
and uh, let's see, he did very verbal calls on TV, like an old-fashioned announcer would. He really, uh, he did do them a little differently. He changed his gear because at the end of his career, they were doing like the first three innings on the radio and, and TV. And then uh, when he uh, would go to TV, he changed it up a little bit, but not that much. You could really follow it as a black yeah. person when he did the calls. Uh, he liked to work alone, but he said when Don Drysdale died in 1993, and he did work with him on Dodger games for a few years, and he said that was fine. He said, I worked with Don, and I loved working with Don. He had a lot of great insights. He was a great color man, and uh, you know he, he was very glad to have worked with him. He, of course, had to work with Joe Garagiola, and they did fine. I mean, I don't think there was any friction or anything. They got along. Yeah, yeah. they got along pretty well. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't used to sharing the time. Uh, and uh, but he also worked well with him, and uh, his he kept his uh, personal life out of the booth. His uh, his jo- wife Joan in 1972 accidentally died of an overdose of cold medication and, and stuff. And then uh, he had three kids that he then had to start to raise. Then he married uh, Sand- Sandy, who was a uh, secretary for the Rams, and they had three more kids. And that was in '73. And then she died in '94. And uh, no, I'm sorry. His son Michael died in '94 in a helicopter yeah. uh, crash. Right. Uh, it, he was an oil oil company engineer. And then, um, and then she died. Uh, Michael, I think it was. La- I think she died last January died. or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Michael had a son, and, and just hours after he died, died. So he lost his son and got his first grandchild right after that. In the midst, and, and so then for the uh, the. Uh, let's see, I think I have the years over here. He went national. He was still doing Dodger games, so the Dodgers gave him a, a permission to do uh, national games and for you know and work. So he worked from for CBS from uh, 75 through 82, and then he worked from uh, for uh, uh, NBC from 83 through 89. That's when he got the game of the week with Joe Garagiola. Yep. And so uh, they uh, he for uh, CBS he also did football and golf, and of course he had the catch with Dwight Clark. Uh, when uh, San Francisco went to their first Super Bowl, and he did that one with Hank Stram. In, in football, he worked with uh, Hank Stram, he worked with John Madden, and he worked with George Allen. And so, you know, football is a kind of different game, although he did dominate the broadcast, certainly with George Allen. And uh, and uh, the uh, both all the, all the sports honored him, you know, and had uh, different tributes to him in the last little while uh, after he died. Uh, he did the World Series on radio for CBS, from 79 through 82 when he went there and then he went uh, came back and did it again from 90 through 97 and uh and i think he worked with <coughs> excuse me sparky anderson uh, bill white yeah and jeff um, torborg and, and johnny jeff ben, torborg. and johnny bench so i think yeah. he worked with all those guys the uh, interesting one of those guys would have been torborg who was the catcher for the perfect game that's right yeah that's right so yeah. uh let's see um, let's see. I'm looking. Uh, he okay. got the Ford. Well, he got the Ford Frick Award in 1982 and the Lifetime Emmy in 2009. He uh, voted the top sportscaster of all time by the American Sports uh, American uh, Sportscasters Association. Uh, and in the last years, starting in 2005, start, stopped traveling east of the Rockies. But he did come to Fenway in, in 2010 when the Dodgers came here. And he uh, was on with Joe Castiglione and told that story about the football game. And that was one place he wanted to come back to. I imagine he came back to Yankee Stadium, some of the, the significant places when he still had the strength to do it. And, uh, you know, everybody said what a nice person he was. If you came into his booth, you know, he would be very friendly with you and so forth. So many people, uh, young announcers, were right. hesitant. 
visit and to to meet him and stuff. But they all told stories about being, you know, meeting and and how how he made them so uh, feel so welcome. So he did the yeah. Dodgers one of the be- one of the best yeah. ones, Chris, was um, David Kaplan's had just started doing pre and post game on WGN radio for the Cubs, and I think he said it was mm-hmm. like the second or third series he was doing it. The Dodgers were in town, and he said he talked mm-hmm. to the engineer. Because a lot of times what happens is when you go to another city, you hire an engineer. You don't generally take your own. Sometimes you do, but not always. And the guy said, well, yeah, he's really approachable because he said, you know, I've worked with him and this and this. And so Kaplan said he went over and he said, um, either Mr. Scully, my name's David Kaplan. The name's Vin, he says. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then the he girl. Said, he said, I was okay. just wondering, you know, if you could come on our pre- pregame show for an interview. And Vin says, you know, I'll be happy to. And he said, we did a two-segment interview. Normally, they were one. Mm-hmm. He said it was a two-segment thing. And he said, after the interview, he said, I told him, you know, that the 89 playoffs, the Giants and the Cubs, um, Vin had had a really good open to that. And Kaplan said, I watched that with my late father. And he said, you know, that's a memory that I'll always have. And he said, Vin was really touched by that. Uh-huh. So he did and I think the about the girl. Yeah, go the ahead. girl on All Things Radio. There was a girl on that we played on the tribute on yeah. All Things Radio. She talked about she was a young journalist, and they're just sitting there eating, and Ben just comes down, sits down, has lunch with him, and wants to know about her and what she's yeah. doing. Like, sure. she's like, and she's shaking and everything. And yeah. he also, he, when he did golf, he was in the Tower at 18 at the Masters yeah. before uh, someone took it over. Yeah, but he you hear that right over too. and over, Chris, that when, when, you know, when I, Mr. Scully, and he said the name's Vin, I've yeah. heard that over and yep. over and over that a lot of people were, you know, respectful, uh, you know, Mr. Scully, and he, he did not like that. He said, nope, the name's Vin, and he, oh. and he made you the star. That's right. Yeah. So and so he did the Dodgers from 1950 to 2016, and of course that's unique circumstances. Who gets a major league job really at 22 years old and stays cool. with one team? I mean, John Miller got got jobs when he was that young too, but he's moved, you know, in various places. So um, you know, Vin is yeah, 67 years. Who's it worked anywhere for 67 years? No, nope. you know, any Joe team in any sport. Right, Joe Castiglione owned 40 years. Me at my place for almost 46, and we feel like tikers compared to him. Well, Chris, and, Chris, yeah. you have 21 years to go. That's right. They Brad Sham since '77 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, think about it. That he, doesn't go it, was, it was ironic because his last broadcast was on October second uh, of nineteen of uh, two thousand sixteen, exactly yeah. eighty years after he saw that billboard in nineteen thirty six with that Giants game. So that's well, pretty not, only, wow. not only that, not only that, Chris, but what about the day he died? Who were the Dodgers playing? They were playing the Giants. They were in San Francisco. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so he did the first yeah. West Coast game as did. Uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, Jerry Doggett and uh, Lon Simmons and uh, Russ Hodges on uh, Major League Baseball history on April fifteenth, nineteen sixty-eight, at Seal Stadium, and then uh, 58. 20, uh, fifty-eight. If I said 68, 58. He, he had twenty-eight World Series, twenty uh, no hitters, four perfect games. Uh, his uh, favorite moment was the nineteen fifty-five championship. Uh, that we talked about, and then uh, let's see, almost done here. Um, and we we did all the CBS and NBC stuff. But he yeah. got a couple more awards that I wasn't even aware of. He won the Medal of Freedom as did Bill Russell from uh, Barack Obama in 2016, and he had five children and 21 grand- grandchildren, six great grandchildren. 
and uh, he did the Rose Parade for ABC, and they, quizzed, they did a quiz show for NBC and a variety show for CBS, and he was the Grand Marshal of the Rose Parade in 2011, about uh, 14, 2014. So, uh, and he, he and remember, all. he and President Reagan called Bo Jackson's home run in the All-Star Game, remember that? That's right. That's right, yep. That's right, yep. yep. So no, he he'll never he'll they'll never every you know we we don't have people we teams have five announcers now you know people coming and going in the TV booth and the radio booth if, if they're that's a small group some have seven or eight but you know yep. he was the Dodger announcer you know for so many years like I, so said, like I said before so you're the saying show Chris, that you're saying with what the Cubs were lucky we only have three radio people yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I like I said before the show he was basically. He was that Paul Harvey for sports, for baseball, with the, that same story delivery, you know. He was, he was Paul Harvey That's for right. And but the funny thing, Will Fleming was kidding about, you know, he says, you, you know, yeah, we try to tell stories, and then somebody, it didn't happen to Vin. You know, he, he'd get the story in there somehow with the, without having the third out come up where you have to reset the whole thing, you know. So everybody likes to tell stories, your- but it's an art. And it's, what were you saying, Robert, before inter- the show it's about interesting. Gary it's Royce? Interesting. Hold on, hold on, Sean. Yeah. Hold on. It's interesting, too, that a lot of people, when Sirius XM, or at the time it was XM, and now Sirius XM, when we first got baseball, I would always, when the Dodgers were playing, even if it was the Cubs, I would always listen to that first three innings yep. just to hear Vin Scully you know, do those three innings. Robert, go ahead with Jerry Rice. Uh, yeah, um... Jerry Royce was being interviewed because he lives in Las Vegas apparently now, and he said one night he was pitching for the Dodgers, and this was in Dodger Stadium, and everybody who brought transistor radios to the L.A. Coliseum, they would continue to bring transistor radios to the uh, Dodger Stadium, even though you could see what was going on. Everybody wanted to hear Ben, and he said during one of his innings, he was pitching, and Ben was telling a story, and he realized, well, I can't pitch. I got to let him finish his story. So he stepped off bound and waited for Vin to finish his story before he threw in the pitch. It doesn't. It doesn't. From what Steve Sachs was saying, he was re- uh, recently at Dodger Stadium. It doesn't sound like they do the radio. You know, bring the radios much now because no, uh, they don't. You know, they don't have Vin. Right. No, they don't have Vin. And I, uh, I guess I should mention this. In all fairness. That one of his famous calls is, was on October twenty fifth, nineteen eighty six. It gets <laughs> behind the bag, yeah. you know, and yep. all that stuff. Yeah. So we do have to list that. Yep. And you know what? Just to throw in, just to mention, Joe, you know what is the lost call that would be played over and over and over? If they had won that game, Joe did the top of that inning, and Dave Henderson hit that home run that put the Red Sox ahead. And right. we never hear that call anymore, and we would have heard it almost every day since then because it was, you know. And then he went down to the field. So Ken did the bottom of the inning. Joe wanted to be, you know, being a younger guy, could run around and grab players and do all that. Ken was getting right. old. So uh, Joe was down the field, didn't do the bottom of the inning, but Joe did the top. But we don't but, hear that call. We hear the call of the you know, ball game. And, and Bill another Buckner's thing fight. to remember, Chris, Bill Buckner was involved in two yeah. of Vin's most famous calls. He, he was, was the at outfielder. The, at the track at the wall, she is yeah. gone for Hank Aaron's home run. He, he was the outfielder for Hank Aaron's home run, and right. he was the first baseman for the Red Sox when it went right. And, you know, most people, with Buckner, most people with Buckner remember that play with the Red Sox. The sad thing is Bill Buckner was a, a pretty good major league player. 
He was, oh, he was yeah, a he fielder. Was. I mean, when, when we got him, and to, again, make all this go full circle, he was traded for Dennis Eckersley. When yep. uh, the Red Sox got Buckner, they got him for Dennis Eckersley, who didn't really make it with the Cubs and then went on to become the break reliever with the with the uh, A's. Eight. But the thing is, he was a good first he, he was hitting over 300. Mm-hmm. He had a good run here. He was a good first baseman. And but he had he had a, he was kind of banged up in '86 and was getting older. So Dave Stapleton had been playing regular first play, base and playing better at the position. But McNamara blew it just by saying, "I want all my guys, all my veterans out there at the end of the game." So Rick, do you have any Vin Scully memories? Well, just a, a quick observation and a quick story. Uh, it was I found it interesting, Chris, that you mentioned about how he said he loved to hear the crowd because that's the one thing I noticed about his calls. Any big call, I mean, first, of course, he tells you exactly what happened, but before going into any embellishment, he lets the crowd, yeah. he lets the people hear the crowd. You know, he always does, you know, and that, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a story mm-hmm. I heard on WFAN, I think I can tell this story. Um, Greg Giannotti from Boomer and Geo. Greg had gone out to L.A. a while back with a member of the uh, Mets front office, and they said, let's go to the Dodgers game. So they're in the press box. And they're sitting there, and Vince Scully comes walking by with a plate of food. So the L.A. public relations guy says, you ever met Vince Scully? And they said, no. And he says, calls him over. He says, Vince, he says, this is Greg Giannani, and this is, I forget who it was, so-and-so from the Mets. And Vince Scully looks at him and says, the Mets? He says, you know, you have a catcher named Omer Santos. Now, I've never heard the name Omer. So I start asking some of the Spanish people that work in the dining room what Omer means. He says, a woman working there starts giggling and covering her mouth. And he says, why? What's the matter? She says, Omer is a slang term for penis. <laughs> and then Vince Scully, just, Vince Scully just looked at them and said, you have a catcher named Penis and walked out. <laughs> well, I guess oh. that got told on national radio and whatever you FAN's on, I guess you can tell the story. It's all right. Yeah. Well, well, maybe uh, let's, uh, we'll give our mouth just a little bit of a break here for a second. Uh, Bob is here and he wants to, I'll bet, weigh in about uh, Vince Scully. Go ahead, Bob. <clears throat> Hello, Bob. Good. Bob? Star 6 to unmute. Oh. Yeah, are you there? There, right. we, are. there we are. There we are. There we are. There Bob, are. go ahead. Well, I remember I spent a, a few days in California in 68 and listened on KFI, and it was just great. And Jerry would always say, now back to play, and here's Vinny. Right? Yep, that's right. And uh, it was great. And uh, I was wondering who's got the record for... One team and one place. Denny Matthews. That would be Vin. Well, he now probably Denny Matthews now. Yeah, for one place with Kansas City. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He would beat that, I think. But you know, my my other point that I uh, just before we go on. As you know, we all had our guys that we grew up. We learned baseball from. You know, you name the. We had Kurt Gowdy. You had Mel Allen. You had Chuck Thompson, uh, Harry Carey, Jack Buck. Uh, you know, Ernie Harwell. Uh, Lon, uh, Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons, the three Mets announcers, you know, uh, Ralph Kiner, uh, Bob Murphy, and Lindsey Nelson. They're all, I guess, I think they're all gone now, you know, yep. the guys yep. who we grew up with in the 50s and 60s who told you what the infield fly, fly row, everybody mentions it now. But Kurt used to, every time it happened, yeah. he ran it down, told you what it was. Nobody yep. bothers anymore. So you got to win your game somewhere. While we're waiting for Jerry to unmute himself, uh, okay. just coming across. Marshawn yeah. Lynch arrested for DUI in Las Vegas. Yes. Oops. Uh, yep. He was only there because he had to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, sure Jerry, unmute yourself. So he doesn't get fired, do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to unmute Jerry? With us, Jerry. There he is. Go ahead. 
I kind of have a personal memory. This is, uh, some of you, uh, of course, know my wife, Judy, and uh, it it was, uh, she was, really wasn't into baseball. She used to be. But usually when I would be listening to baseball on Sirius XM or whatever, she'd be reading or whatever, or calling some friend or something like that. But it was um, uh, six years ago, of course, to the day, uh, it'll be this year, October 2nd of 2016, and I told her I'm going to listen to uh, Vince Scully's last broadcast and uh, she um, and, and all of that kind of stuff, and uh, she said to me, oh, is this his last broadcast? I'm going to listen to it with you, Good. and she sat in her recliner, and I sat in my recliner, and we didn't do another thing. We were a little mad because SiriusXM cut it off uh, right at the end there. But what I liked was even the San Francisco broadcasters took an inning out to do let everybody hear Vince Scully across yeah. the Good. Yeah. channel 89 on SiriusXM covered the TV feed the whole way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good. Okay. Well, that's good, Jerry. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of Vin memories. A lot of stories right. about Vin. Okay. Right. Anybody got anything else? We're going, going into current events in baseball. <laughs> All right. That's okay. what Vin would want us to do. That's right. Okay. So the Yankees are leading the American League East now at 71-39. and 39. Did they win last night, Robert? Yes, yes they did. did. Okay. Yes. They broke a five-game losing streak in order to do that. So. And they lost Matt Carpenter for most well, of the rest. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to injuries in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're 71 and 39. Toronto is 60 and 49. Tampa Bay 58 and 50. Baltimore charging along 57 and 52. Five games over 500. The One, last place Red Sox. So they're out of the wild like card. It. They are yep. 54 and 40, 56. So, uh, you know, they got some winning to do or they're not going to be around long. American League Central, Minnesota 57 and 51. Cleveland 56 and 52. The White Sox are 55 and 53. Kansas City, the Mighty Royals, as we call them here now, 44 and 65, and the Tigers, 43 and 67. In the West, we have Houston at 70 and 40, uh, Seattle at 59 and 52, Texas, 48 and 60, the Angels are 47 and 63, and the A's are 41 and 69. In the uh, East, the Mets, they had a productive weekend, won four out of five, five from the Braves. They are now, and then beat the Reds last night, the 71 and 39, and Atlanta is 74 and uh, 46, so it's about a, it's a seven-game lead now for the uh, Mets. 74, don't you, Chris? 74 and uh, uh, 46. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what I said. Either way, the point yeah. is it's a seven-game uh, lead. Yeah. If I didn't say that, that's what I should have said. Phillies, 60 and 48. Miami, 49 and 59. Washington, 36 and 75. In the Central, the Cardinals have taken the lead. The Brewers have been kind of sputtering a little bit the last week or so, and the Cardinals got to got to play the Yankees, so they swept them. And they're 60 and 48. Milwaukee is 58 and 50. Cincinnati, 44 and 64. But I got to give the Reds credit. They went 3 and 22, and since then, for all this rest of the year, they've only been one game under 500. So that's that's not bad, considering the owner says we're not trying to win and the you know whatever. I mean, uh, got to give a lot of uh, credit to David Bell and the guys on the field to keep it going. So 44 and 64. The Cubs are 44 and 64 also. 
Again, that's why it's such a big game on Thursday night to, to the Field of Dreams game. And Pittsburgh, right there, 44-65. and 65. In the West, the Dodgers are 75-33. and 33. They now have the best record in baseball. And we hadn't really looked at, you know, the home field for the World Series to determine by who's got the best record, whether they're a wild card or what they were. And they've got a, now a five-and-a-half game lead over the uh, Yankees because they the Yankees had those losses and the Dodgers have been beating up on the Giants pretty regularly and now and the Padres and the Padres, Padres too the Padres, yep. have so, they won a game by the way since they made their I think they won the Padres? first one they won the first game and yeah. they've lost them all since yeah <laughs> so seventy five and thirty three for the Dodgers so a big lead sixty one and fifty one for the Dodgers uh, for the Padres so that would be uh, what about a uh, 16 game lead or something something like that something like that yeah. yeah yeah san francisco again they're in trouble 54 and 55 arizona uh 49 and 59 and colorado 48 and 63 so the wild card race right now in the american league toronto leads it at 60 and 49 tampa bay 58 and 50 so they would meet in a series in toronto at the moment seattle is the third wild card at uh, 59 and 52 but the orioles are right behind them at 57 and 52 in that fourth spot and then cleveland is 56 and 52 so they would be a uh, game and a half out and then the white Sox are 55 and 53 two and a half out and then the red Sox are 54 and 656 at five out so if they don't get going in the next week or two they're going to have a fork stuck in them whether i like it or not in the in the west i mean in the national league Atlanta has the top wild card. So they're they're in pretty good shape either way. I mean, they're probably not going to win the division. Now they could, but they probably won't. But they've got the top wild card, 74 and 46. You keep saying it's, it's 64 and 46. 64 yeah. and 46. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I wrote yeah. it wrong. Uh, so Philadelphia, 60 and 48, is now the second wild card. They've been hot. So that managerial change uh, worked, bringing in Robbie Thompson. They're the number two wild card. San Diego, having only won that one game since the trade deadline, the 61 and 51. So right now, the Phillies uh, would uh, be going to Atlanta to play a series, and San Diego would be going to St. Louis to play a series uh, right now because Milwaukee's not even in the playoffs. They have been all year. They're now uh, 58 and 50, so they're a game out. And then it drops down to the Giants at 54 and 55, so they're five and a half out. So yep. that is uh, that is not good. That's why the Giants I, are on. I believe, Chris, when they traded Hater, meaning the Brewers, yeah. that did not sit well with their players. <clears throat> when no. you have a, a general manager who came out, well, he's going to make $17 million next year. We can't afford that. The problem you have with saying something like that, those players don't give a flip about, nope. about next year. Nope. They're worried about this nope. year. So I had, to, I had talked to a Cardinal fan over the weekend, and I said, in my mind, I said, by doing that, the Brewers kind of almost conceded the division. Yeah, and the thing is, it's the same thing Heim Bloom is doing. He's talking about, well, in two or three years, we're going to have this and that. You know, the 2022 Red Sox don't, 2022 Red Sox don't care about the 2026 nope. Red Sox. They're on this team. I mean, it's you know? one thing to hear, it's one thing for Bill and I in Jerry to hear the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates talk about next year right. or, you know, two years from now. It's yet another. When you're in a – at the time, the Brewers had a couple-game lead. Yes. And then you go out and yeah. trade your closer? That makes no sense. So so here's the thing. Uh, first of all, we start off – because sometimes I have the latest things first because so I can fit them on this sheet. So we talk about bad contracts and things that didn't work out long-term. Jason Hayward is now out of the Cubs picture, isn't he, Barry? He is, yes. He is on the injured list – uh, for the rest of the season with a knee injury. And Jed Hoyer said yesterday that uh, they'll he won't be on the team next year. Um, so I'm guessing they're just going to release him 
at the end of the season. And I hope they How come up with a productive? way. How long is he productive for the Cubs? Um, you know, to be totally honest, Chris, he never has hit that I well for the whole so. contract. But yeah. what Jason Hayward is credited with, and I've heard a lot of people say it, when they had that, what was it, a 15 or 20-minute rain delay yep. in the World Series, he's the one that stood up in the locker room and gave the big speech, you know, hey, let's go and we're going to get this and dot, dot. Well, they got it. So Jason yep. Hayward probably... Even though he hasn't hit much in that contract, I'm guessing in Chicago he never has to buy a beer. There you go. Okay, Robert, you want to talk? And I do see you, Jamal. We'll get to you in just a second. Yeah. Robert, you wanted to talk about the uh, Carpenter injury with the Yankees, right? Oh, well, I didn't want to talk about it. I was just pointing it out. Last night he fouled a ball off of his foot. He ended up getting a broken bone in his foot. Uh, So the Yankees have placed him on the injured list, and they called up uh, Miguel Andujar to, to fill in. Okay. Uh, Cleveland Guardians have uh, DFA'd Franmil Reyes. He was hitting 210, and for whatever reason, the Cubs feel like it was good for them to claim <laughs> Franmil Reyes. I have no idea what was Well, they didn't. They had people that. maybe hitting 209 and 211, but they had nobody hitting 210. And, um, uh, and also, uh, with Jackie Bradley being yep. released by the Red Sox, the Phillies also DFA'd. Uh, D.D. Gregorius, so they ate the rest of his contract. So Okay. Jackie yeah. Bradley signed with Toronto today. Oh, okay. of course. Got to stay here in the division. And we, <laughs> how many great catches are you going to make? Now, now here's, one, yeah. here's one, Chris, that, that made no sense. We covered this, the Juan Soto trade last week. Right. Yep. The Washington Nationals got one of the players they got back was pitcher Danielson Lamette. They then released or technically designated him for assignment. And the Rockies picked him up. So really, you gave up one of the players that you got in the trade. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we had a note that Juan Soto is now the all-time walks leader of people before 24 years old. He passed uh, Ted Williams. Yep. So there you go. And why don't we hit Jamal? We've got some other news and notes. We could do Jamal now, I guess, huh? Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and do Jamal. Jamal. Come on in, Jamal. Hello, Jamal. Hello, gentlemen. How are y'all doing? There he, hey, there he is. How's it right. going, right. Jamal? Okay. The White, Jamal, your White Sox are leading one nothing over the Royals in the bottom of the third well, in Game One. Well, that's well, that's good to know. I just came in, and I'm going to say this. I heard a tribute to uh, Vin Scully, and you know, I just I just kind of got a little emotional. Got to think about childhood memories, watching him on uh, NBC Game of the Week, yep. and then thinking about relatives who I would visit who would watch him as well, who since my past, though. So, you know, I like to say... I was, oh, he's been a big part of a lot of people's lives, yep. Right. Yeah. Almost, hey, I almost got a little touch up there. I mean, he was one of a kind. He was a hell of a broadcaster. You know, the only thing I'll say about the NBA, NBC Game of the Week, they didn't have that many variety of teams on them. You saw the White Sox, you saw the Cubs, you saw the Yankees, the Red Sox. But you never saw teams like the Mariners or the Rangers or a few other teams. At least the baseball coverage now, you see more of a variety. But but Vin Scully and Joe Garagiola, that was a part of my Saturday for a long time as a kid. You know, I'd I'd go watch Saturday morning cartoons from like 6 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Then I'd, uh, of course, shower up, and then I'd watch uh, the game of the week. You either uh, had Vin, either, Jamal, you either had Vin and Joe, or you had Bob Costas and Tony. 
Tony Cooper. Which wasn't that true either. They did the the B game. They did the B game. Rangers, Mariners, that bunch. I observed both and both were... Very good, but I would also like to say this. Speaking of, you're talking Jason Hayward and the Cubs. I I don't get what, what what's the point of DFA in the man. Now you didn't trade the guy, you know. You, I mean, just let the man play out play out one more year and then get rid of his butt at the end of the season. This is the, 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 what the Cubs are just stupid, you know. Oh, I mean, Jamal, Jamal, I mean, Jamal Cub, hold on, guys. Jamal, the Cub fans will tell you. This front office is. I think the word Matt Spiegel used last week on the score was aim, was aimless. I think that's a good word. Uh, I, I mean, the term. I mean, there's a term I would love to use, but of course I can't use it on on the. <laughs> legend, yeah. On legend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, if you if one of you guys are on tonight's conversation, the Friday conference, I'd be right. glad to glad yeah. to get a little more colorful about it. But it, but I think it, on the Friday conference, that, Jamal, you can be as colorful as you like. But I, but I think but I think for but for crying out loud, let the man play. Is this contract up this year? Correct. No, next year. Next year. Okay. Well, well, let them let them let the dude finish the doggone year. Cause I mean, you go, you're paying his butt anyway. If you DFA him, well, what's the point? I mean, if you were really serious about getting rid of his butt, you should. They should have traded him last week, but they well, this is well just, they 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 tried. Well, last week I'm they sure really they couldn't. They couldn't trade him last week while he's on the injured list for the rest of the year. But they tried to trade him. They tried to trade him a year or two ago. Nobody would right. pick up that contract. Okay. Well, we got a lot of baseball. We got a lot of baseball notes to do, Jamal. We got twenty-one minutes to go, so we need to. We got to get. Okay. Um, let's get Pierre real quick. Oh, go ahead, Pierre. Well, y'all were talking about Ben Scully. I yep. remember I was a I was a young man. I don't remember how old I was, but I was in a Western Auto, and you know back then they had these big, huge console TVs with these big speakers, and I was passing by one of them, and I just stopped. I froze, and I said, I asked somebody, I said, "Who is that?" And he said, "That's Ben Scully," and I was hooked after that. Was that during a World no. Series or something? So you hadn't really heard him? Yeah, I'd never yeah. heard it before. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of a lot of people uh, enjoyed him. Okay, so we have a few notes. One of the, these trades here, I'm going to give you because I'm not sure they were coming so fast and furious at the end of the show. We might have gotten these. We might not not have. But Michael Givens, uh, reliever from the Cubs uh, to the Mets. Uh, Whit Merrifield from Kansas City to Toronto. He will now go and get vaccinated. Now he's and on a he, good team. He is, va- he is now vaccinated. He is vaccinated. Yes, okay. And he got the, for a couple of prospect, uh, prospects. St. Louis outfielder Harrison Bader to the Yankees for pitcher Jordan Montgomery. Uh, the Angels traded Noah Syndergaard uh, to Philadelphia for whatever. We didn't really know what that was. Some prospects, I'm sure. Angels, yeah. Rizel Iglesias. Uh, and pitcher to Atlanta, and they got a couple of pitchers back. Let's see, uh, Jesse Chavez and Tucker Dave, Dave, Davidson. Davidson. And Tucker Davidson. Davidson pitched in the World Series, so, I mean, he's not exactly an unknown qual- you know, quantity. Mm-hmm. That's correct. We had an interesting story that, uh, you know, we were talking about Christian Vasquez last week being in Houston when they got traded, and he couldn't play because they hadn't done the physical or anything like that. Joel Youngblood got to play for two teams on eight, uh, August 4th, 1982. And he we referred to this last week on the show, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we, we didn't have the yeah. details. Dave gave it to us. He was with the Mets in Chicago playing the Cubs. 
and he, uh, he got a hit off Fergie Jenkins in the, a two-run single in the third inning and then uh, called back to, uh, from the dugout uh, from uh, uh, the on-deck circle in the fourth, found out he was traded to Montreal. They wanted to see that single, and they said, we're going to get this guy. Wanted him to go to Philadelphia that night to play for the Expos. Jim Fanning put him in there, and uh, he uh, caught a flight and got there, and he got a hit. He came in as a pinch hitter and got a hit off Steve Carlton that day. So that's pretty good. Two off two. Uh, Boy, that's two, two good, good pitchers. pitchers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. And then there were two uh, two guys traded between the Cubs and the Cardinals in uh, May thirtieth of twenty two uh, for game one of a doubleheader. Cliff Heathcote, and then for playing for center fielder for the Cardinals and Max Sprack for the Cubs and the right fielder for the Cubs. And then they switched and played those same positions in the second game for the other for the other team. So that was something. So we've already talked about uh, Washington. I guess they've lost, what, four All-Stars in the last year. Oh, and yeah. The biggest fire sale of all. And the rumor and the rumor is they, they want to do this because that'll the own, whoever the new owners are, they don't want to come in and have a lot of commitment. Yeah, yeah. well, I get the commitment part, but I also like some players if I bought the team. I would, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the Angels lost to the A's on uh, on. Uh, Thursday, and they tied the franchise record for with seven home runs, and they were the sixth team to ever lose when hitting seven home runs, and they were the second team to hit seven solo home runs, and the only team to score no other runs than the seven home runs. So yep. that was kind of crazy. Yeah, that uh, was a crazy game. The Dodgers swept the Giants, as we've been talking about, in San Francisco, and the first time in a four-game sweep there since uh, since 1977. Uh, and the, the question I had, this was something Dave Fleming was talking about. He said that with the pitch clock in the minors, they're giving the pitchers when run, runners are on base more time between pitches. Are they using different amounts of time, uh, Perry, in different leagues? And are they uh, going they to may, go over they may, be, they may be because the, in here, it's I think it's 20 seconds. And you only get to throw the first it's, twice. And if you throw there over there a third time and miss, it's a balk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, Twenty seconds. And if you don't, you don't if you don't pick them off, out. yeah. If you don't yeah. get them out on the third try, it's a balk. So that yeah. means that the runner will, can take off on the third one, no matter what. Right. Which right. means they'll never throw a second time. Right. Because once you throw the but second time, but there are games. I will tell you, knows, there are yeah. games. We had one here. The score was, I think, nine to eight. It was Iowa and Omaha, and there were like eight or nine home runs in the game between the two teams. And uh, the game was played an hour and fifty-four minutes. No, that's so that, great. The pitch clock is making some difference. In you know, if that's your goal is to speed up the game. So now the the question is, are the players going to have to sign off on this? Is this something they can block? No, no, he can implement this. Implemented. It's in the it's in the deal. He can implement it at the end of the season if he wishes. Meaning, uh, okay. uh, uh, he probably will, and he probably will. Yeah. And the there is some. There is some talk now, though, Rick. Is yep. saying there is some talk now that they may not eliminate the shift. Go ahead, Rick. Uh, I was just going to say the, the original proposal for the for the uh, pitch clock was fourteen seconds if there's nobody on, nineteen seconds right. if there's somebody on, and the batter has to get in the batting box before nine seconds left in the on the clock. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Trevor Bauer is appealing his two-year suspension. It's uh, the appeal started May twenty-third and will go through November, and uh, it's being uh, heard before an, uh, an an independent arbitrator. So we'll see what happens. Again, where he was not convicted, you know, it could change, but uh, it might not. So okay. So we've got uh, got some NFL stuff to to do. I don't think we need to do any more on the on baseball. Yeah. And so we've got. Um, DirecTV will try to air 
this isn't settled yet, but they're going to try to air the Thursday night football games in bars and restaurants because the and, uh, owner of Buffalo Wild Wings was saying how much that would cut into his business because what can happen is if you have a smart TV that can get Amazon, there could be a lot of buffering with that many TVs in a room it, or, you know, you so 30 TVs in a room or something. And you got to remember, Buffalo Wild Wings has, I forget how many, several thousand franchises. So they spend millions of dollars on the package for, you know, Sunday ticket and other things. So right. that could also, that could affect, cause you know, the Sunday tickets going next year to streaming to one of the services that could also come into play on, you know, Sunday ticket in 23 when they sign that new deal with yeah. whoever they sign with. That's yeah. right. And it looks like Sirius XM has the exclusive uh, NFL streaming rights for, for now anyway, for this year on radio. Well, it's a five-year deal. We we will see. I mean, I guess what I always say is, you know, things can change between now and the beginning of the season, but it appears like if you have TuneIn Premium and that's what you're using for your NFL audio, you know, if you don't like the thing with SiriusXM, you're going to have to consider getting it because that's where the NFL games will be. Right. Now, there are uh, Westwood that- one. Westwood there, One will still be on there. That we don't know, yeah. uh, you know, and, and we're not necessarily going to come on this show and talk about it, but on because it's not, it's a national show and we don't want to get any stations in trouble, but there are teams that will stream their games, and right. some of them are regulars, and some of them and are tune, And TuneIn said they will not block those. Right, so yep. uh, we'll, we'll see what happens when, when the season actually starts, because it can change, you know, for early on, especially from week to week. Uh, and it's NFL but, and by, by the way, Chris, uh, Jerry was on yesterday, and he wanted me to look up the uh, station for oh, yeah. the Packers this year. Jerry, the station for the Packers is WRNW. Or you can tell your device to play 97-3 the game. That's what it's there, also called. There you go, Jerry. Yeah, because it's ESPN yeah. in, uh, in Milwaukee. Right. And then uh, the uh, – oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Fox, I guess, in Milwaukee, huh? Fox. Yeah, they're, Fox, they're an iHeart state. They're owned yeah. by iHeart. So we had a back and forth about was the NFL going to appeal or not. They are appealing the Deshaun uh, Watson decision of the six-game suspension, and uh, and uh, will be heard by a former what New Jersey attorney New Jersey General, attorney that... general Peter Harvey. Okay, yeah. and by and by the way, just to explain where the root where the this where the little thing came in last week, Sean had heard heard what he heard on the radio. I think a couple hours earlier, and I was seeing things on. Twitter, in and amongst all the baseball stuff, I was seeing things on real time. So Sean wasn't, he was on the air. He can't hear real time, but on Twitter, you can read real time. Right. Yeah, I was going based on what they had said a couple couple hours earlier. And here's the, and now this is a kind of a funny side note on that. Of course, Deshaun Watson, you know, he's playing in Cleveland. You had Houston playing the Guardians in baseball. And a block away from the Cleveland Brown Stadium, guess what they had? The American Massage Therapist Association National <laughs> Convention. So. That's right. Very appropriate placement. Very good idea. Deshaun was not there, by the way. He was not there. <laughs> right. And then the uh, Cleveland Plain Dealer reported that Kareem Hunt uh, wants to be traded. He's doing a mini holdout, sort of. He's doing individual work, but not team workouts at this point. So right. uh, I, he's trying to get a new contract. Mm. Rick, do you have any NFL tidbits? Just a couple. Uh, Makai Beckman for the Jets. Knee injury looks like he's probably out for the season. Yep. And uh, and just to, to get Jamal even happier, um, Rokon Smith for the Bears today said he wants to be traded. That okay. is correct. And, and Nikhil Harry got hurt. Uh, I heard he had an ankle injury the other yeah. day. Yeah. Also, it looks like Dwayne Brown is going to sign with the Jets to take Beckton's place. Uh, yeah. That's what I heard today. Okay. Dick, if you want to go ahead and start unmuting, we'll get you one second. But any All more, right. Rick? No, that's about it. 
Okay. Then we'll get to Dick now. So, Dick, yeah, as soon as ahead, you're ready Dick. to go. Okay, go ahead, Dick. Yep. Oh, oh. Dick left the room, there, so go ahead. Okay. All right. Oh. So I, I think is any more NFL? We got some college. I don't know. Do. I don't have I don't have all of the Hall of Famers in. I know. Let me see. No. Dick Vermeil. Tony Vaselli. Uh, Tony Vaselli. Sam Mills. Uh, Sam Mills. Mills. Brian Young. Yeah. yeah. Brian uh, Young. Yeah. Uh, Rick, Rick Sherman. Yeah. Yeah. Cliff Branch. Uh, I'm a Dally, yeah. No, Richard yep. Seymour, not Sherman. Seymour, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Richard Seymour. Richard yeah. Seymour. I was going to say, not yeah. Richard Sherman. Yeah. Did Richard he go in as a, a Patriot or a Raider? Patriot. Yeah, he went in as a Patriot. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Um, so uh, are we getting Dick back or are we... Uh, Dick is not here, here so well, let's... All right. Okay. So uh, let, let me do the quick college note, and then uh, Sean has a couple of uh, notes. Eli Gold will be out for the first part of the uh, Alabama season in college football, undisclosed health issue. So Chris Stewart will do the games. Of course, he's been—he's going to be the heir apparent. You know, you saw him as part yes. of the broadcast, and he wasn't in past years. They used to just have a color man. When a guy's getting well, he's—he's he's been the sideline reporter in past years. Oh, okay. Yeah. But now he'll get to do play-by-play, and I'm sure this will be a an audition for the coming years. Eli is, you know, getting older, so right. he's got a health issue, and Chris Stewart will do, and he already does baseball and basketball for uh, for Alabama. Yeah. So then we do have uh, we do have Chris, we do have Dick back. Dick, don't don't okay. mute. You're already unmuted, so go ahead. Oh, I, you know, I, sorry, I got, I got disconnected there before, and uh, the other fellow took my thunder anyway. I was going to tell you about Roquan Smith wants to be traded. But, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's all about money. Oh, but sorry. Oh, what, about okay. Eli, what about Eli Gold? What, what did you say about him? Eli Gold is not going to start the season with Alabama. It's going to be some of it. He doesn't. They have undisclosed health problems. And uh, this Chris Stewart, who's their basketball and baseball guy, is going to do the games. And he so is. And he's back. good. I don't know if you've heard him, Chris. He is good. Chris Stewart. Yeah, is. I'll, I'll be good. I'll, I'll enjoy checking him out. Yeah. Okay. Do the Michigan games. You guys know who's going to be doing the Michigan games this year? Uh, no, I don't. I will, Dick, no. Dick, I will check on that and let you know next week. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. And then uh, we had, I think, the other football note. What were you guys talking about? The Big Ten? You, you're the saying Big this Ten is, uh, media rights, they're being negotiated now, and it seems like Fox will probably be the main cog, if you yeah. will, but NBC and CBS will also be involved as of, I think it's in 24. ESPN yes. and the Big Ten will not be together anymore. No, because what's going on here, all right, Fox owns 60% of the Big Ten network, and so uh, they've been covering this a lot on the Marshawn and Haran Sports Media Podcast, and basically what is, you're negotiating, the other networks are negotiating with Fox for these rights. Amazon's been involved, ESPN's kind of, but NBC and CBS both want it, because CBS wants something in that 3.30 window. Fox likes that big noon Saturday kickoff. They like having that huge game early. Remember back in the day that that game was always a throwaway game. That was, that was the, on ESPN. It was always the best Mullen game, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's another story, but you know, but, and NBC so Fox, wants a primetime game. Yeah. NBC wants a primetime because then, then, or they could even work it out at times, you know, depending on no, and they still, Notre Dame still has three years on their deal, but Notre Dame's saying that they're going to get 75 million from NBC, but we'll see. But the Big Ten, they're talking a billion dollar deal because Fox yes. has already reached their agreement with the Big Ten, but they're the primary and they're talking a billion dollars divided among 16 teams. Like I said, it starts the, and the rest of it season, should be is, announced. The rest of it should be announced in a week or so. And they'll have Fox Sports 1 and Big Ten Network involved in 
minor games, and CBS yeah. will probably I think continue what this with is the gonna Big Ten mean, Championship in basketball. And, yeah. Real quick, we have about five minutes. I think what this is going to yep. mean, Sean, is you're going to see more Big Ten Network games go to the Big Ten Network overflow because they're going to have more than one game at a, in a in a window. That's or to Fox Sports 1. They'll go to Fox Sports 1 also. Right. John, why don't you yeah. give us, a, and so we have time for our, a little bit of hockey, why don't you give us uh, the story on uh, what's been going, going down with Oklahoma lately? Okay, Cale Gundy, he was quarterback for Oklahoma and back in the early 90s, Mike Gundy's brother from Oklahoma State, but he was on the staff since 1999. And what happened, I guess there was a player who was on his laptop and he saw it was something not football-related. He grabbed it. Now, according to Cale Gundy, he said, uh, he said I, I grabbed it and I read what was on there, and it was a racial slur. It doesn't say what it is, but I have an idea. And he says it was – he goes, I didn't know what I was reading, and so I regret – he resigned. This was late Sunday night, in the middle yep. of late Sunday night when he resigned. o'clock at night. Then – yeah, but then yesterday, uh, Brent Venable, the head coach, came out and said, no, it was, you know, we regret, we thank uh, Coach Gundy for his service, you know, with the team, but uh, he read, apparently it was said multiple times. Now, maybe the word was on there multiple times, and he read it, but I don't know, he just said it was, it was time. And according to some players, and even Gundy's daughter, that, uh, Venable was told, or they were told not to talk about it among with the media or anybody. But the players understood what he was doing. But the uh, it got it out. Sounds in like, the it sounds like up. they wanted. It sounds like the coach wanted to make a change anyway. But right. But if it was said multiple times, then that could be a little bit different than what we had yesterday right. when we talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Did the player and did the player get in trouble for having it on his phone? I, they did not say that. They did not say anything about that. But, I mean, Cale Gundy was the assistant head coach. Uh, Venable, you know, he was a, a Bob Stoops and a Lincoln Riley guy. And, you know, Venable. And Venable's had his own little – he's had other run-ins, yes. too. So he probably didn't need this on his first year. So it's kind of like, oh, no. it's out. So let's go on. We got, so, yeah. we got about two okay. minutes to go. All right, Robert, real, real, got, real quick before we, we get got the two hockey, signings in the NHL besides those – Bruins uh, signing, Robert. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. Okay, John Huberdeau signed for eight oh, years, uh, an eight-year extension for eighty-four million with uh, with uh, Calgary, I think it was. And yeah, and he t- he took the deal that Matthew Kachuk uh, refused. Right, and Matthew Kachuk got an eight uh, for seventy-six with Florida. That's right, which so, is where he wanted to be. And we already talked uh-huh. about Bergeron and and uh, David Krejci coming back to the Bruins. Right. So uh, you know, I think that was all. Any other NHL uh, oh, notes you that's know about oh, yeah. this week? No. And real quick, oh, yeah. Chris, uh, just to you know, to cover this for about fifteen seconds, Brittany Griner yep. sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison for right. Very little drugs. I mean, she's a political prisoner, as is that we have two or three other ones over there, too. Yeah. And I, I think they get kind of left behind because she's the yeah. name. But we need to be trying to get all of our people home from all of these places. And yeah, obviously, right. you know, we want her back and we want our other people back, too. So right. that's that's what we know on that. We'll keep you posted. Sean, have at it. All right. Well, folks, download this podcast at legendoldies.com if you want to hear the tribute to Ben Scully or other stuff, or Sports Lounge Live in your podcatcher, or tell your smart speaker to play Sports Lounge Live from Apple Podcasts, or 773-572-3006, option number nine. We'll be back Thursday, 6 p.m. for All Things Radio. We'll be back next week for Sports Lounge Live, and no telling what else is going to happen, who's going to join the Live Golf, who's going to have a big deal, but we'll see you next week.